you pray with me please dear god we thank you for this wonderful sunday for another great opportunity to come together to worship you we pray today that you would open our hearts and our minds so that we can feel your presence and receive your word in jesus name amen
that we receive brought to life we open up our eyes to see the majesty and glory of the King He has filled our hearts with wonder so that we always remember you and I made the worship you and I called to love you and I are forgiven and free when you and I pray surrender you and I choose to believe that you and I will see what we were meant to be Please turn and greet your neighbors.
Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here joining with us today. Before we get started with our announcements, I want to give you the opportunity to share prayer concerns with the congregation with our Tuesday prayer group. So if you'll raise your hand now, if you'd like to write a prayer concern down on a note card, our usher will bring you one, and it will be shared with our um, Tuesday prayer group. We believe in a couple of categories uh, that we want to organize our, um, uh, our discussions, our meetings, our sermons, our music, everything around. Those things are um, radical hospitality. What can we do to offer opportunities to open our doors and to gather together outside of the normal worship spaces? Our example of that this week is the Young at Heart Luncheon. These are um, senior adults that gather uh, every month. The monthly meeting of Young at Heart this time will be at Lorinda's at 11.45. You're meeting there. They'd like you to meet in the parking lot at 11.45. They prefer you not be there at 11.47. <laughs> or 51. Or 53. Or 57. Or 12.01. 11.45, the significance is you want to beat the crowd in there and you want the whole herd to go in at the same time so that you can sit down together. So the Young at Heart will meet at 11.45 at Lorenda's. Not here. Um, intentional faith development. Uh, confirmation is a meeting, a gathering, a um, six to ten week class for uh, sixth graders and above who are learning more about their faith and deciding to join the United Methodist Church. Um, there are a lot of um, parallels between the Baptist Church and the United Methodist Church. Uh, Baptist Church will um, dedicate an infant while we will baptize an infant. And about the time uh, Baptist is baptizing someone is about the time we're confirming someone. Very similar principles with slightly different language. But um, sixth grade or above, if your child hasn't participated, we have an um, interest meeting tonight. We've already had one, so if you came to that one and learned uh, what you need to learn about the schedule, you don't need to come tonight. If you um, missed that one for whatever reason, we encourage you to come tonight at 5 p.m. Uh, Katie. Uh, Kate is our um, youth coordinator, and she'll be leading the meeting at 5 p.m., and it is in the social hall, which is the building in between this building and the sanctuary. I'm going to call on Erin. Look at you. You're already ready. <laughs> Hi, I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries, and I just wanted to share a few announcements about the Sunday night programming tonight. Um, risk-taking mission and service. Don Lewis will be coming and talking to our children about... Um, Daily Bread Ministries, and also the Thanksgiving boxes that we're going to help prepare and deliver later in the month. So I would ask every child, and this includes preschoolers, they're going to come upstairs with us um, starting at 6, um, come on up and um, bring an offering to donate towards those Thanksgiving food boxes. Um, also, the preschool children will be very busy tonight. They're also going to be studying passionate worship for their first hour. So um, they are asked to bring a stuffed animal or a doll, something special to them, because they're going to exercise baptism in an example using those dolls. So we're looking forward to tonight. Hope you'll all be there. Thanks. We are participating in our consecration uh, Sunday season where for five weeks we're talking about the ways in which your giving impacts our church. So today we're celebrating intentional faith development. But we're also looking at towards November 20th. It's two weeks from today. There's one service. It's at 10 a.m. It's in the sanctuary. 
and it's where we will all make our um, pledges for next year, our promises, commitments, financial commitments to the church for 2017. We have a celebration dinner after worship that day that's in here. And we need as specific as possible a reservation list uh, to make sure that we get that exactly right. So last week, if you filled out a card, you do not need to fill out a card this week. If you missed the chance last week to fill out a card, we'd like you um, to raise your hand and an usher will bring you a card. And whether you're coming or not, you mark the card. Yes, I'll be here. No, I will not be here. And then we can get laser-specific uh, uh, numbers on our consecration Sunday meal. So if you'll raise your hand and the usher will bring you one, mark yes or no, you can put it in the offering and then um, uh, we'll have that. I appreciate that. Also as part of this series, we're inviting members of our church to speak briefly on their commitment to this church, why it matters um, to give in every single way that you can uh, to Memorial. And our speaker today is Daryl Richforth, who's our chair of uh, missions committee and also on our trustees. So Daryl, come on up. Good morning. As Joe said, I'm Daryl Richforth. And uh, when Mary Lee asked me to speak on commitment and stewardship, I thought, with little hesitation, I said yes. But I thought, well, what can I say that people haven't heard already? But we'll try and see what we can do. I've got some uh, scripture uh, here and a little bit of my personal experience. So um, from Romans 12, verses 6 to 8, they say, if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. In Luke 12:48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So I ask you, uh, and I know I have been very blessed, and I feel like I need to, I'm obligated to give back to the church and to do things uh, in the way of service in, in giving. Um, in First Peter 4, we read that each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. <clears throat> when we joined the church, uh, we all promised to support the church financially, spiritually, and joyfully. Joanne and I uh, met at a little uh, Methodist church in southeastern Ohio uh, years and years and years ago. And uh, we learned about uh, giving back to the church at an early age. This church uh, was so small, it couldn't afford a pastor, so it was on a charge where pastors went, they, they went to like three different churches. And this church uh, originally was just one room. So they uh, had decided to raise money to build a wing for Sunday school classes. And they did that. We didn't help financially as youth, but the youth group refinished the hardwood floors. And um, 
I, I would dare say we did a pretty good job. <laughs> it was a lot of work. But really that was my first introduction to, to giving back to the church. And as, as after Joanne and I got married, we moved around from city to city and state to state actually. Every place we went, the first thing we did was find a church because it was, church was important to us. And after we joined the church, we decided to support the church financially and with service. So I encourage you as we go about through this season to think about this and, uh, and help wherever you can. Thank you. Thank you, Daryl. So we'll make a couple things um, crystal clear. The meal is free. It's our um, celebration. It's our thank you to you. And if you are not attending the meal, that does not mean that you wouldn't attend worship. You're more than welcome to attend uh, worship that day. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for Anne this morning. We pray for Steve. Because they need your healing. They need dedicated doctors and nurses who give everything that they have to ensure their future health. But more than anything, they need to know that you surround them in sickness and in health. Help us, Lord, with uh, these two names shared and any names that we have on our hearts and minds to be the agents of your grace and mercy and peace to people in this community. Whether they might be ill or whether they might be sad or whether they might be broken, all of us have an opportunity to love and serve you by serving them. And as we read of uh, Paul's letter of his desperate striving to try to understand your will and to live that will in his life, help us to understand both the struggle and the commitment to continue on. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Before we get started with the sermon, I want to show you images that uh, our own uh, Rochelle Foster has been working on. Uh, so, there you go. We have um, these five practices. Uh, she has given us an icon for the first three, and there'll be a new icon every week until we have all five. So I want you to know that you'll see these icons all around campus physically. But you'll also see them digitally wherever we're talking about these things. So um, pineapple around the world is known for hospitality. So the pineapple is going to be our radical hospitality image. Let's look at the next one. The cup, um, uh, similar to the communion, well, not similar, the communion cup that we have on the first uh, Sunday of every month, the cup is going to represent passionate worship. It's not traditional worship or contemporary worship or 9 a.m. worship or 11 a.m. worship or 6 p.m. worship or whatever. 
wherever you are, in whatever form that you are doing it, let's put a lot of planning into it, let's put a lot of heart into it, and let's try in every way possible to worship passionately. Um, that's going to be our logo for passionate worship. And finally, today we're talking about intentional faith development. So this is going to be our logo for intentional faith development, um, diving into the Word. And um, that leads us into our text for today, which is um, Philippians. Philippians does not have the second L. Y'all ever put the second L in there? It does not have it. It has two P's, not two L's. Not like Tennessee. Chapter 3, starting with verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So here's your first phrase. What's your driving force? You may not think about it very much. You may think about it all the time. What's the thing that causes me to do the things that I do? They might be professional things. They might be personal things. They might be positive things. They might be negative things. They might be helpful things. They might be hurtful things. What is the driving force? This is what um, Paul said. I want to know his sufferings. He wanted to understand Jesus' sufferings. So what does that mean? You ever had people clamoring for you? I'm not talking about, um, hey, could I have a minute? I'm talking about pawing at you and pulling on you. People who will relentlessly, never-ending, need something from you, whether it be teaching or inspiration or healing or whatever. If you've been in a moment, personally or professionally, where it seems like the planet is coming and asking for something right now. Clamoring for you. Paul wants to understand people questioning Jesus. I'm guessing there's been a time, personally or professionally, where people said, I'm not sure you know what you're doing. In fact, the thing that you say you're doing in the name of what you say you're doing it for is entirely opposite of everything I understand that principle to be. You ever experienced that in work? You ever experienced that at home? You ever experienced that in the neighborhood? Whatever it may be, the thing that you thought was the right thing to do in the situation, not based on just draw it up in the dirt, based on thoughtful processing, to have somebody say, uh, what in the world was that? So people clamoring for you, people questioning everything you're doing, and people walking away. Maybe even the people who were desperately claiming, clamoring for you, you help them, and then, uh, yeah, I'm good. Walking away. People who wanted to be fed, people who wanted to be healed, people who wanted to be inspired, people who wanted you to help their neighbor. And then, uh, well, you know, we sort of got the thing we wanted, so we're going to go over here now. Paul wants to understand Jesus' struggles with those things. I'm guessing you've experienced every one of those things in one way or another, whether it deals with church or not. Clamoring, questioning, and walking away. He says, I want to be like him in his death. What does that mean? Well, there was a whole lot of shame that day. By design. We're going to make sure... We um, religious leaders who can't really do this because we're on a holiday and we can't really have this on our hands, but we're going to put it on the Roman government to do it. 
the Roman soldiers, we're going to make sure you feel a lot of shame about your choices. And we're going to make sure that it's as public as humanly possible. So that anyone who was following you, or anyone who's thinking about following you, will see this public shaming that's on such a level that they will say, never, ever, in my life, do I ever want to put up with that. And of course, pain. What's the most embarrassing thing you've ever felt in public? What's the most pain you've ever felt? If you merge those two things into one event, perpetrated by the people that you were trying to help, that would be pain on a level that um, I, I don't really don't know that we can process. But the third part's important too. He says, I want to obtain his resurrection. So not only do I want to understand the painful things that draw me down to the bottom that I'll have nothing left, but it doesn't end there. He says, I want to understand his resurrection. I want to conquer every broken element of life here on earth. Because that's what that resurrection did. Every broken element, the shame, the pain, the abandonment, loss of life, all dramatically shifted in the other direction. I want to know these things. The question is, how much are we asking these questions the way Paul is asking these questions? Are you approaching church in these three categories? Are ministers approaching the church in these three categories? Am I coming to church every single day and saying, I want to understand what it was like to be in that moment and have everybody clamoring for me, yet shaming me in public? Or am I thinking, you know what, I want to make this as easy as possible so that life is manageable and I want to live this life. I want to make sure that I remove every impediment so that we're willing to do the things that we want to do. We struggle sometimes. Ministers struggle sometimes. To understand what the true point of trying to follow would be. So he's, he's writing a letter to his people in this church that he can't visit anymore. And this is what he says in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this. See, that's important to note. People thinking, oh, this dude knows it all. Know it all. He says, I haven't obtained all this. Or have already arrived at my goal. But I press to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. So here's your next phrase. What progress have you made? And you can apply that question to any crazy positive thing that you're trying to do to shape or change your life. Okay. Um, since I've been here, I've been here um, something like 16 months. I've had three Fitbits. You know what a Fitbit is? Fitbit is a personal uh, tracking your steps and the tracking the steps is only like a 5% of it. 95% of it is entering what food you ate that day. And when you enter the food that you ate that day, it compares the steps that you took that day and then says, is there a deficit? Because if there's a deficit, you're doing a good job. You're working towards being healthier. I'm currently not wearing a Fitbit. 
That is the progress that I am making. It's in my book bag. The battery's dead. Okay? I think every day for the past 13 days, you know what? I really need to plug that thing in. Not going well. And when I was wearing it, my doctor made fun of me because I wasn't uh, controlling the number of calories I took in. I was just outstepping the calories. I was like, uh, oh, if I, I'm good. I'll just take 15,500 steps and I'll be set. And the doctor says, uh, really, <laughs> you can't hang with that. You're going to need to step down what you eat. And I said, mind your business. I'm trying to do what I'm trying to do. The real point is the struggle of trying to keep it. Lost one, broken one, and one's in my back bag dead. Okay? So he says, what progress have you made? That's what I love when he writes the letter to his people who are trying to understand and comprehend it. He says, I haven't achieved anything. I haven't reached my goal. These are two habits. But the most important thing is the third habit. I haven't stopped. I haven't achieved my goal. I haven't reached the thing that I want to attain, but I haven't stopped either. Verse 13. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for God, who has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. Here's your last phrase, or um, next phrase, our conflict. Y'all tend to hang on to things, right? Things that someone did to you, things that you did to someone else. I talked about this on the podcast the other day. Um, Computers have the ability to, uh, you can defragment them. You can take every file that's sitting in some random place and it organizes them all and throws out the rest. And then the computer's thinking clearly again. Y'all got a defragmenter at the house? Y'all got a way to do that? We struggle. So let's say you're awake uh, 17 hours a day. I, I know that's all over the place in the congregation, but let's just say you're awake 17. 17 times 7 is 119 hours in your week times 52 weeks is 6,188 hours a year you are awake in order to do something. How many of those hours do you spend looking back in regret? For whatever reason. How many of those hours do you spend stewing in anger? For whatever reason. How many of those hours do you spend daydreaming a better scenario for what's going on? See, I'm not going to tell you, you have 6,188 hours. I want 10% of those hours for you to be dedicated to intentional faith development for your life. I think that's, that's going to be tough. Many people, if you attended church 52 times a year, and that was the sole thing you did... 52 divided by 6,188 is a small percentage. So I'm not after your work hours. I'm not after your personal hours where you go up to uh, uh, Table Rock and spend time with family. If I could only carve out those hours when you're stewing in anger or sitting around in regret or daydreaming about a better life, if I could have those hours and have you thinking about your faith development. I bet I could pick up some time. You could pick up some time with me. My goodness. Of the regrets that I have, I think. If 
I'd emailed that in another direction, if I had gone to that meeting, if I hadn't said that, if I had said that, if I had done that at that church, if I had done that at that church, I even do it with not even the one I'm serving, the ones where I was. Even if I just tithed the hours that I'm doing that, I bet you I could pick up some time. So how can our church help you? This, this is the last phrase, our promise. We are going to offer you here on campus opportunities to learn in between Sundays. Opportunities to develop your faith in between worship services because there are about two worship services a year I sit in. That's it. You multiply that by 16 years, I've seen about 32 worship services that I wasn't doing something. And I know it's a battlefield out there for your attention. There's something going on, your phone's buzzing, there's a dude over there, you are the dude over there, you're thinking about something else, there's something clanging, there's something clicking. There's every reason for you not to pay attention to the thing that's going on. So we're going to provide things on campus for every age level for you to intentionally develop your faith. But we're also, uh, you remember when DVR came out on television? I remember, um, this is what I tell my grandchildren, I remember when my sister got DVR. <laughs> you could pause live television and go get, uh, uh, I was about to say waffles out of the toaster. Is that the dream? Is that the best thing possible, DVR? I guess so. Uh, you could record and come back later. You could spend time with your family and watch the game whenever you wanted to. Our church has DVR for almost every event, thanks to our people, our technology people. You can watch dinner speeches, you can watch dinner songs, you can watch uh, memorial services, you can watch worship services from both uh, entities. Um, we have the podcast that you can listen to for the subject that's coming on Sunday. You can go back and listen to everyone that's ever been. You can go back and listen to every sermon that's ever been. You're on your phone. I'd encourage you to take advantage, take advantage of our DVR opportunities here at Memorial. So, our pledge, our promise, is that we're going to give you both of those to the nth degree for every age level. I want you to make a promise. I want you to tally up the times that you are looking back in regret, stewing in anger, and daydreaming about a better scenario. And think, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm going to go look at something on the church website. I'm going, to go, I'm going to go to Sunday night programming. I'm going to do something that will help me with this thing so that I can move on, so that I can strive towards the goal. How many of us will achieve it while on earth struggling with human limitations? Uh, well, Paul was pretty deep into it, and he struggled to achieve. But how many of us will quit? I hope none of us. I hope we'll keep striving. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want you all to stand and join me in the beginning of the communion liturgy. Oh, I'm sorry, the affirmation. And then the beginning of the communion liturgy. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is all over His works, and whose will is directed to His children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope 
and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. I invite you to remain standing for our communion liturgy. This is something United Methodists say all around the world before they gather around the table. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. And if you'll join me. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done Your will. We have broken Your law. We have rebelled against Your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Public confession is critical because it gathered us all up. Every single one of us has struggled with this calling. Public forgiveness is equally important. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Please turn to one another and offer signs of uh, love and reconciliation. And then be seated. It's now time for our offering. And you'll see instructions on how to give online. We have every way uh, to give online, and I encourage you to do so if that's your thing.
Jesus used very simple elements to share a very important message. Elements that people used at their table all the time and would continue to use at their table all the time to clearly help people remember that night before he was taken before everyone, before everything that we read about in the text. With all that on his mind and all that on his heart, he sat with his disciples, he took bread, he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and he said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me not only today, but far from this day. And that message that was supposed to be extinguished the very next day continued all the way to Greer in 2016. After the dinner, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God. He gave it to his disciples and he said, Take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant. These are people very accustomed to covenant language, very accustomed to making them and struggling to keep them. He says, This is a new one in my name that is offered to you. And please remember it every time that you take it. I'm going to call those who are helping me serve this morning. In the United Methodist Church, everyone who wants to come forward for Holy Communion is welcome to do so. We serve by intinction, which means one of our servers will give you a piece of bread, and the other server will hold a cup that you will dip the bread into. The words that are said is, the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ shed for you. It's an opportunity for you to come forward and recognize everything that we said in the liturgy together corporately. We have um, gluten-free elements, if you need gluten-free elements. And um, you'll come by the inside aisle if you'll um, follow those that are accustomed to doing it. And you'll return by the outside and come uh, back into your spot. And um, everyone who wants to come forward is welcome to do so. And if we need to come to you, um, we'll be happy to come to you.
Over. was lost but now I'm found once was lost but now I'm found so far away but I'm home now once was lost but now I'm found and now my life song sings I once was blind But now I see I once was blind But now I see I don't know how But when he touched me I once was blind But now And now my life song sings And now my life song sings And now my life song sings I once was dead but now I live I once was dead but now I live Now my life
shepherd And I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures And He leads me Beside still waters And He restores my soul of righteousness for his name's sake even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you for inviting us to your table, for calling us together to acknowledge our shortcomings, to encourage us to start again, to develop our faith from Sunday to Sunday, piece by piece, closing in on your will for our lives. We are grateful for this table. And we ask that you extend this table to every place where we go this week, that we offer grace and reconciliation to those uh, that we share meals with. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing with us?
on a new task, a new um, important point in the life of our church and its risk-taking mission and service. And to that end, I'm going to let Carson speak to you uh, for a minute about his project. All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you for your patience with this. This is my first time doing that, and that's uh, it's not an easy job. All right, so it's been a while since I've been up here to talk to you guys about my plastic bag project. And... Um, well, with school starting and I have a cross-country schedule, it, the project really kind of fell to the wayside and it's really my fault, but it's back now and I want to thank everybody for their continued donations uh, to the bins out in the, um, the FLC and in the uh, social hall. Uh, they're really much appreciated. And to that end, the, um, the Adults Unlimited class is hosting a plastic bag meeting this Thursday, November the 10th. Y'all might want to write that down because that's not in the bulletin. But um, it's this Thursday, November the 10th, from 6 to 8.30 in the social hall. Uh, pizza dinner will be provided. And if you want to bring a dessert, it's uh, much appreciated. And um, I, would, I hope to see you all there. And remember, this Thursday, November the 10th, from 6 to 8.30, bring a dessert if you want to. Come on out. We'll have a good time doing plastic bags. Thank you all. Thank you, Carson. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit Go with you all. Amen. Start a fire in my soul, fan the flame and make it grow. So there's no doubt or denying. Let it burn so brightly that everyone around can see. That is you, that is you that we need. Start a fire in me. Have a great week.